Thanks, Glenn. Let's pray as we come to the word this morning. Heavenly Father, as we come to your word this morning, Lord, as our children head out to treasure seekers, Father, we, we just pray, pray your, your spirit to be upon us. Lord, softening our hearts, opening our ears that we may hear and respond to your word, Lord, that you would lead us in your ways. Lord, that we, you would draw us nearer into your presence, that we may know you more deeply, know the peace and security that comes from you, we pray. Amen. What is truth? It's a question that's been asked a lot over the last couple of years especially. How, how can we know what is true? How do we test truth? How do we validate it and its source? These questions are at the heart of our passage today. If you've got your Bibles, open with me to Matthew chapter 7 as we continue in our series, Kingdom Living, looking at Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 7, verse 15 to 18. <clears throat> Jesus says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every tree that bears good fruit, so every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruit. I think Donald Trump coined the phrase many years ago, fake news. You know, how do we, how do we gauge whether the source of information that we're getting from is reliable, whether it is trustworthy. The teaching from Jesus today is not merely about biblical teaching, but it applies across all of our lives. The premise of what Jesus is saying here, it isn't rocket science or brain surgery, it's pretty straightforward. If you've got a diseased tree, then it cannot, it is incapable of producing good fruit. And a good tree cannot produce bad fruit. If you listen to ABC radio, they often have a segment on uh, gardening. And they have a horticultural expert come on and, and people ring in or, or text in with their questions about problem plants that they have. And I, I find it fascinating. I, I like to think that I've got a little bit of a green thumb, but I'm not overly successful. Um, generally things say alive for at least a certain amount of time. <laughs> but I, I love hearing about the descriptions of, of what's wrong with these trees and often with fruit trees there's, there's disease or there is infection with, with insects and bugs and all, all of these different kinds of things and once these fruit trees are diseased and they're infected the problems are that they either don't bear any fruit at all or the fruit that they, they, they bury is poisonous or, or poisoned and, and so it shrivels up and it drops off long before it's ready 
to be fit to eat. This is the kind of image that Jesus is painting. Something that is, you know, very easy for his listeners to grasp because they've seen this. They know this to be true. That when a tree is diseased, when it's infected, when it's covered with aphids or all sorts of other issues, it cannot bear good fruit. And so the point that Jesus is making here is that we need to be careful about where we're getting our teaching or our information from. The information or the teaching is not the fruit. The fruit is how we validate whether or not the teaching or the information is from a worthy source, a trustworthy place. If it's coming from a tree that doesn't bear good fruit, then we should stay away from it. The test that Jesus is placing on on what is taught and said is far greater than simply measuring whether what is said or the information sounds good, sounds right. The test that Jesus places for good teaching is to examine more than just the words, but the heart and the attitude and the actions. We touched on a teaching of Jesus later on in the Gospel of Matthew last week from Matthew 15, 18 to 20. When Jesus points out that it's not what goes into our bodies that makes us unclean, but what comes out of our bodies, because what comes out from our mouth comes from the heart. He says uh, in verse 18, And what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. These are what defile a person. And and so that's the same sentiment that Jesus is saying here in in Matthew chapter 7, that we need to measure not just someone's words, but their character. Where is their heart at? And one of the greatest criticisms of Christianity over the years has been that Christians are hypocrites. They're all about words, not about action. As I I was reading and uh, waiting upon this passage and, and Spending time praying through this passage this morning, I I just couldn't, well this week, I I just couldn't get past the fact that this measure of teaching doesn't just apply to those who, who teach and preach, but there is an application that rests, a responsibility that rests on each one of us as we bear witness to the work of God in our lives. We merely about saying good words or do we take the 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 call of jesus to seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness seriously does that does that drive transformation in our hearts that's that's ultimately what this is about false teachers are not concerned about the condition of their heart and the condition of their ways. So how do we know false teachings? Jesus said, you'll recognize them by their fruit, their heart attitudes and their, mo- their, 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 uh, their motives and their actions. Romans 12 verse 2, Paul says, 
uh, to the church in Rome, to, the, to us as Christians, us as the church, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by the, the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and perfect and acceptable. What's fascinating here is that this, this word by being transformed in the Greek, it was by being transformed is, is one word in the Greek. Um, I love the Greek language because it, it contains for us so much information about what is being conveyed. Not just simply a definition like in a dictionary, but it tells us how that is applied. And in this case, the transformation is a work that is done to us and for us, not by us. And that's significant. So Paul says, do not be conformed to this world. Do not be pressured by the world. Do not be pushed out of shape, out of line, off the path that leads to righteousness by the world, by the the desires of the world, by the pressures of the world. Instead, by submitting yourself to the work of the Holy Spirit, let him transform you by the renewing of your mind, by by the recreation, the rebirth of our thought patterns, by by changing fundamentally the way we, we think about the world, the way we think about love, the way we think about God. That's what the renewal is. It's a transformation from, from changing our patterns of thinking and our actions and our attitudes and our behaviors from, from worldly, self-centered behaviors to godly, righteous, holy behaviors. With the advancement of technology, the prevalence of the 24-hour news cycle and social media as a platform where everyone can become experts and shout their opinions loudly without traditional checks and balances. We, We laid aside the time we once took to weigh and consider and evaluate information. We become more impulse-driven in our desire for news and our desire to engage in talking about world events, cultural events, societal events, even gossiping about these things, about what we hear and what we see. Everything has become so fast-paced and so on demand that we've lost the traditional processes that help keep us and our thinking processes in check. The other big thing that that slips away is our own self-reflection. It's a lot easier to put the spotlight on others and to criticise them for their mistakes. But all of this reactionary judgment just places us in in a very vulnerable position to be led astray by false teaching. You know, this, this is not something new. This is not a new issue uh, that we're, we're encountering today in the 21st century. This has been an ongoing issue and it was rife in the early church. It was rife in, in, in Jesus, throughout Jesus' ministry to the point where he says you need to, to stop. Don't just listen to what seems right and sounds good 
Don't just listen to the things that, that validate your preconceived emotions or desires. Don't just listen to someone because you like them. Weigh significantly the character of the source of the information. Under, seek to understand the motives that, that drive it. So how, how would we know good fruit? Where, where do we begin? Well, Jesus has already been painting us a really good picture of where to start. Right at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus paints for us a portrait of kingdom living. And within that, we see a number of character traits that, that the Spirit develops within us the more we lean on God, as, as Glenn was sharing earlier. The more we put ourselves off balance to trust in God, to lean upon Him. We can ask questions like, are they humble, poor in spirit and close to God? Or are they proud and a, a little arrogant or self-centered? Do they tend to focus on the shortcomings and failures and mistakes of others? Or do they try to find a constructive way ahead? Think about that last question. Do they tend to focus on the shortcomings, failures and mistakes of others? Now, if I, I think about our politicians, if I think about our news media, if I think about 90% of the posts that I see on, on Twitter and social media and all of those kind of things, sadly, the answer is yes. The answer is yes. They're more focused on what others have done wrong than, than about finding constructive ways forward. Does that mean that, that they have nothing positive to say, nothing constructive to say? No. But it means that I, I place a lot less weight upon that. I, I invest a lot less time in those sources than I would in the Word of God. Other questions we may ask, are they meek and gentle or angry, condescending and judgmental? Are they peacemakers or do they thrive in conflict and division? Do they hunger and thirst for righteousness or do they consider themselves to already have attained all of that? Are they more self-righteous or continually focused on drawing nearer to God? As we look further through the Sermon on the Mount, we see other measures that Jesus gives us to measure the hearts of those that we would follow, that we would listen to, whether it be a matter of faith or life. Are they patient, slow to speak and quick to listen? Do they listen well to the heart of God? Does their teaching seek to please the ears of people or point people to Jesus? Is their focus on glorifying God and His kingdom or is it bent more towards self, towards destruction, doom and gloom? How do they treat those who mistreat them? How do they conduct themselves in prayer and giving and other acts of worship? Do they turn to Jesus in times of trouble or do they stand firmly in their own strength, in their own abilities? What kind of love do they, does their lives demonstrate? A love that knows its limits and its boundaries 
or a love that, that comes from God, a love that is selfless and sacrificial, gracious and compassionate. You know, Paul in, in Galatians offers other insights into how to determine a good teacher from a bad teacher, a, a good source of information and encouragement from a bad source of information and encouragement. Galatians 5, 3 to 26, Paul writes, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Before I go on, I want to add some weight to that. You see, what I see on, on social media is it is a platform for expressing thoughts and opinions. And it doesn't cultivate intimate relationships. It doesn't allow for, for, for deep and meaningful discussion. What it ends up doing is creating this tribalism where we, we seek to find posts and like on posts that validate what we think and what we feel. And we hate and we discard those that we disagree with. We, it ends up drawing this line down the middle between people. These are acts of the flesh. Paul identifies as dissensions and factions. These are not godly ways to relate and to live together. In verse 22, Paul says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus has, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. These are important fruit, not simply to test those who teach us, but also for us ourselves to measure our own hearts, our own motives and our own actions and words. To, to measure the impact that we're having on the world around us, the community around us, our neighbours around us. As they look in, what, what attitudes do they hear in our words? What kind of love do they see in our actions? 
throughout this series, we've established that this side of eternity will always be growing, always being transformed by the work of the Holy Spirit. We continue to make mistakes. We continue to be imperfect. So in the midst of all of that, how do we bear good fruit? How do we as Christians and how do we as, as influencers in our community, with our neighbours, with our family, how do we make sure that we bear good fruit? I think we, we need to start with the greatest commandment. Jesus said in, in Matthew 22 uh, from 34, when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law of the prophets. In everything that we do, in everything that we, we say, we need to begin with loving God above everything else. And then we need to love our neighbor with as much care and thought and passion as we love ourselves and those close to us. Jesus takes it a step further in John 15. He says, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. For if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burnt. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit so to prove, and, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. What is the very first measure for bearing good fruit? Abiding in the love of Jesus. Making that your dwelling place. Making that your, your place of refuge and shelter. Making that the, your foundation for your relationships, for everything that you do, every word that you say, the way you encounter your situations. Make that the garden bed of your life finally I want to finish with just these final words of encouragement about our words James Jesus half brother uh, he was a, a significant leader in the church in Jerusalem wrote this in, in James chapter 1 know this my beloved brothers let every person be quick to hear Slow to speak and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore put away 
all filthiness and rampant wickedness. Receive with meekness or gentleness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourself. For anyone, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. The one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres being no, he- uh, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person, person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, to keep oneself unstained from the world. There's some challenging words there. If we are authentically followers of Jesus, then transformation isn't optional. It's fundamental. If we are going to to be careful about our discipleship, we need to weigh and measure where we get our information from. We, We need to evaluate not just the words that we hear and that we read, but the heart and the character of those who are saying them. We need to, to measure, are these words spoken in anger? Or are they spoken in love? Are, are they characterised by, by gentleness, patience, compassion? Or envy, jealousy and anger? Are we peacemakers? Are we humble? Do we desire to see more of God's righteousness in our own lives? God-centered, kingdom-minded, compassionate, gracious, forgiving, loving. Is our faith more than words? Does it flow out into our lives? Does it flow out into our relationships? Last year, we looked at the the words of the teaching, the the declarations of the prophet Amos. I'll finish with this passage from Amos chapter 5. For thus says the Lord to the house of Israel, Seek me and live. But do not seek Bethel and do not enter into Gilgal or cross over into Bathsheba. For Gilgal shall surely go into exile and Bethel shall come to nothing. Seek the Lord and live. We live in a time where we are bombarded with more information and more opinions and and more things than ever before. God's words to Israel through Amos ring true as Jesus' words to to those who were the disciples who were following him on the Mount of Olives. Don't seek after false teachers. Don't get caught up in the busyness and the craziness of the world. Seek the Lord 
and live. Trust in God that he has a plan. That when the world is scrambling and running around without answers, know that God is in control. Seek the Lord and live. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we come, Lord, and we just acknowledge that life is, is tough right now. Lord, there are days where it's hard to know which way is up and which way is down, what's right and what's wrong, what's best and what's not for me, for my family, for my community. Lord, there are so many things that weigh heavily upon our shoulders. There are so many competing ideas, competing thoughts that cloud our, our vision, Lord, and cloud our days. Holy Spirit, we, we call upon you to continually continue your work in our hearts and in our lives, Lord, that we may be transformed by the renewing of our mind, Lord, that we may seek you to seek your kingdom, to seek your ways, your righteousness, your love, your grace and your mercy, to be more than just hearers of your word but doers. Lord, let your word thrive in our hearts. Let it flow freely from our lives, we pray. Amen.